Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. I have a phenomenal guest with me today. This is Dr. Robert Farrell. Welcome, Rob. Good to be here. Dr. Robert Farrell, you are a periodontist. Most people would recognize the term dental surgeon. And today, folks that Live on Purpose Radio, we will be going over several surgical procedures <laughs> that you can perform in the comfort of your own home. Actually, that's not too far from what we're going to talk about. Um, Robert, I heard you speak recently, and it, not only are you a phenomenal dental surgeon, periodontist, you have some very strong feelings about some important principles. And you've learned a lot from some experiences you've had that we'll get into in just a minute. So you share those experiences in the form of speaking and presenting, and this is more of what, what you've been getting into lately. Yes. So the thing that caught my attention when I heard you speak is that you have done some humanitarian work in Africa. Is that right? Yeah, we've had opportunities to be in many places around the world, but... Yes, but Africa. that that was one that I'd yeah. heard about, and you commented about um, some of the the dental practices that were going on <laughs> yeah. in those countries where you were serving, and how different it is from what we experience here. Maybe that's enough of a lead-in. Robert, tell us about your experience there and what you learned. Yeah, we had the opportunity to go to Mali, Africa, which is probably one of the more poor countries there in Africa. Uh -huh. Average income, just for an example, um, is about $200 a year. Whoa, 200 uh, a American year. American dollars a year. So very poor country with very few resources. Mm -hmm. And in many third world countries, and especially maybe even worse in Africa, people have very limited access to dental medical care. So our intent was we got a team of about 27 people together, went over to um, Mali to essentially just remove teeth. People die of infection, and so that is a common problem and can be very significant. So we travel halfway across the, the world and, and uh, find ourselves in Africa and excited. We had thousands of, of supplies and, and uh, access to help a lot of people. Mm -hmm. We show up in this first village that we were anticipating to be there for a few days, and uh, we're excited about the opportunity. And our first day there, we got the shop set up, and we were in a dirt floor room, no electricity. This is um, pretty primitive. This is very primitive. People are spitting in the bucket, and we've got headlamps on. And there's just you know no no oh, modern wow. day conveniences at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and as we had everything set up, we opened the doors, and we're anticipating to serve hundreds of people in this village, and we're shocked to find just a handful of people that were waiting for us when we opened the doors up. So we were a little disappointed, and uh, we worked through them mm -hmm. pretty quickly. And uh, 
Oh, an hour or two later, we didn't have much to do. And here we have spent time and money and taken this effort out of our practices to get there and a little shocked that we didn't have the response we were hoping for. So we regrouped and kind of figured out what we needed to do. And mm -hmm. um, we decided, well, should we go to another village? Should we stay here? This was the largest of all the villages we were going to see. So we were anticipating spending the most time there. And we decided to uh, wait and show up the next morning. And if no one was there, we would move on to the next village. So um, we show up the next morning with our guide, our translator. And he'd been the one who had really encouraged us to come back the next day. And mm. we pull into this compound. And the doors open up. And I'll bet there are probably 300 people waiting for us. And our wow. guide got real emotional. And he said, I didn't want to say anything but I, I knew this was going to happen. He said, uh, what occurs in Africa is since you can't get access to dentistry, the only option people really have, because to go see a dentist in, in Mali, to have a tooth removed, infection controlled, costs about $80. Well, if you're making $200 a year, you're not going to have you're that. You're not going to be able to right. afford that. So what most people have to do if they're in, in desperate situations is they have to do, go to what they call a bush doctor. And a bush doctor is somebody who um, would go from village to village. They have no formal training at all. Um, and they would, they would come in and have you lay on a table or lay down on the floor. They'd have someone lay on your feet and hold your arms down. He'd put a couple of sticks or so to prop your mouth open. And with no anesthetic, with no uh. compassion, with no you know, modern day conveniences whatsoever, he would carry around with him a couple of old dirty pliers that you probably would see in your garage at home. That's essentially what he had to work with. And they would literally rip that tooth out of your mouth. Um, there are a lot of painful things that we can experience physically, but your mouth and your teeth, incredibly sensitive area. Oh yeah. So that's your typical experience for dentistry and that's their exposure to these bush doctors. They had, they had no idea that there was something different right. that they could experience at that point. So what was amazing wow. to us is that uh, this guide said 12 brave people showed up the day before. So desperate. And I'm telling you, some of them, several of them, would probably have died from those infections if we wouldn't have taken care These of them. These are people day. who were willing to go to the bush doctor. Right, because that's what they were anticipating. That's all that they knew was available. Well, they came and see, wow. saw us, and they realized, wow, they had something they never experienced before. They got numb. They had anesthetic. Um, there was compassion. There were surgical treatments. There was antibiotics. There was medication. There was um, just a whole nother world that those people had never even experienced whole before. Thing. Yeah. And what was powerful to me is our guide said, 12 brave people showed up and discovered compassion. And they mm -hmm. went out into the village and informed the rest of the village you can trust these guys they're not going to hurt you it's painless it's simple and so 300 people showed up um, the next day you were really busy so we were yeah very busy for the next few days but powerful wow. lessons there i think about just life and human nature and mm -hmm. sometimes how we treat people that there's so many aspects to this that are so interesting to me because here's your team and you are, of course, used to a more civilized approach to dentistry. It's all you do. It's, in fact, this seemed really primitive to you. 
Oh, of course. But, the, yeah. but this was really high level for them. Right. And uh, the expectations and the perceptions that were on both sides of that equation, that is so fascinating. Yeah. I speak a lot uh, professionally about mentoring. And I mm. find it interesting that you see what I, I guess we can call bush doctors in our own personal lives, um, where people perhaps are trying to help the best they know how, right. but they have limited skills, limited abilities, um, a limited training. And certainly they could help some people, but I think mm -hmm. many times we can be damaged by that. And we can scare a lot of people away from a fundamental um, process that I think we need to have for happiness in our lives, and that's change. And when we yeah. change, we need mentors and coaches that can help us do so with compassion and not just rip the tooth out, so to speak. It can be a painful process. Certainly. And, you know, and, and those people, it's not a lot of fun to go get numb and go through that process. But still, we can make that a much more pleasant experience. And a lot of people I have found in my interaction and, and interviewing people, very few people have experienced a mentor that can correct with love and compassion. Mm. So I think it shuts people down for growth and development. They don't go seek out the help they need because they're afraid it's going to be on the table with rusty pliers, right? Right. So, you know, so to speak. And they've had experiences in the past that tell them, hey, this is scary stuff. Yeah. You know, so, I, so you're really getting down to how can we, for each other, create a much more compassionate, much more helpful experience? Absolutely, because I find, I, I get a chance to work with the young adults, and I have probably interviewed over 7,000 young adults in the last several years, mm -hmm. and I find that age group especially, this millennial generation, is really hungry and thirsty for growth and development, mm -hmm. and they're not finding it in ways that is inspiring, and I find it's shutting them down instead of expanding their opportunities and possibilities. And I'm, I'm sensitive to that. I, I grew up with a severe speech impediment. Mm. And so I can remember going to kindergarten for the first day, the excitement of packing my lunch, a little metal Superman oh, lunchbox, yeah. a little and a lunch backpack, box. backpack. And, and I went to school uh, probably three, four days. And then my teacher took me by the hand and walked me to the principal's office. I wasn't old enough to understand what was going on, but I, the door was open and I heard my teacher tell the principal that I was stupid, that I was retarded, that I did not belong in school, that I should be in some special program. Now, I didn't understand what? those terms or those things, but I certainly understood he was stupid. And I sat and there you and you felt waited. the energy of that oh, whole yeah. interaction. And I then waited for my mother to show up and then she walked into the principal's office and I could hear her crying. And I could hear the word stupid again. And I can remember as a little five-year-old boy walking out of that principal's wow. office holding my mother's hand not to return to school. And I grew up in California. My parents uh, enrolled me into a speech therapy program at Stanford University. And I went through hardcore speech therapy for the next 10 years mm -hmm. with very poor mentors that didn't know how to correct. The Bush doctors. Right. Wow. 
it, it occurred to me as you were sharing that story, Robert, that there, there are opportunities for each one of us to show up as a bush doctor or as a mentor. And there are probably some principles that are important to start with. I, I think you've already introduced them. Uh, compassion, for example. When, when we see that something is out of place, what do we do? Jump on it with a rusty old pair of pliers? Or can we approach that with a much more soft, compassionate approach? And think about how we do that in the workplace. Think about how mm-hmm. we do that in our own families. And a lot of times, it's just what we know. We don't know anything different than that. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, that's the real damage, is really trying to open people up to how do you discover the love of correction? How do we help people embrace correction? Because that's really what we're talking about. Mm. We're really talking about helping people change. And most of the time, people don't like correction. We get offended, we get hurt, we get discouraged, we rebel. Um, very frequent, infrequently do we truly embrace correction as opportunities to change. And I would suggest we react that way because of the bush doctors in our lives that we really have yes. been burned and hurt and it's been painful. We haven't experienced proper mentoring that can really help lift people up. Right. In your story, a few brave souls showed up, probably out of sheer desperation. And they were willing to go to the bush, doctor, but here's another, another possibility, maybe hopeful that this could be different. But the courage that was necessary for them to show up, that is inspiring. And as, as you provided a different experience for them, they were able to go share that with others. Okay. Hopefully this gets us thinking about a couple of different applications in our own lives. We'll get into that as we return from our break. You've heard the question a hundred times. Is the glass half empty or half full? If we are in negativity mode, we see the glass as half empty. Anyone can see it's half empty. When we are feeling negative, we focus on what is missing and lament the lack of water in the glass. When we are feeling more positive, we see the glass as half full. Of course it is half full. Anyone can see that. We focus on what we desire and celebrate the presence of water. Then there are those who see it as completely full all the time. These seemingly crazy people are not just positive. They are pathologically positive. Pathological positivity is an empowering mental supernormality that lifts us above the normal perception of reality. It is a higher level of thinking. We see the glass and our lives as completely full, even in the toughest situations. If you've enjoyed Live On Purpose Radio, then you will love Dr. Paul Jenkins' book on pathological positivity. Available now to order, visit pathologicalpositivity.com to get your copy today. That's pathologicalpositivity.com. Thank you for listening to Live On Purpose Radio. We're so glad to have you here. Please come by the website, drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R. 
drpauljenkins.com. On the website, you'll have an opportunity to receive a free download. And while you're there, make sure you click on the social media icons. Come over to Facebook, where we will be posting these episodes as well as our YouTube videos and other content and announcements for you to share. Please like us, comment, subscribe, join the conversation. We're happy to have you with us here at Live On Purpose Radio. Let's all support each other to live on purpose. DrPaulJenkins.com The bad news is, time flies. The good news is, you're the pilot. Michael Altshuler fascinating Robert that you had this experience in Africa that so nicely generalizes into a more common principle that we face everywhere in the world probably in every aspect of our life because of this fundamental principle that better is always different Mm, very true does that feel true to you yes It's not true the other way around because different isn't always better. Right. I can picture going to the bush doctor and I'm thinking that would be different, but not better. (laughs) Um, But better is always different. So that implies change. If we want something better in our life, and who doesn't really? Even if life rocks right now, which it does, (laughs) I want something even better. I think it's in our nature as human beings. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. So this is where where the lessons learned in Africa can can really apply in our daily lives here. Um, There are principles of truth that can guide our change. And and I think probably a first step is to connect to that. How, How do you break it down for people that you coach and mentor? And what I find, just like these 12 or so people that showed up that first day, mm-hmm. they needed treatment. They needed help. There was infection. There was pain. And, and that's life. We all need help. We all have infection right. and pain and things that need to be changed. So the first thing is we have to help people recognize that need for change. And to me, it's helping them discover truth and specifically truth mm. about themselves, their potential who they really are, what they can accomplish. You know, that just that nature, that human nature of how wonderful people are. And in my experience in dealing with people, I'm surprised how many people are crushed by life um, that are desperate, yeah. that lack hope. So we have to, tr- I think first, we have to help them recognize truth of who they really are. Once we recognize truth, truth will always invite us to change. That is a fundamental principle of truth. Interesting. So as truth invites us to change, this is where we usually find the biggest obstacle. Because Mm -hmm. when people are exposed to the need to change, Mm -hmm. or what I would call maybe correction in their life, that's where, like I said earlier, we don't embrace that very well. And that's where people will shut down. And that's where we've been exposed to bush doctors in our lives that really prevent the correction from sinking into our lives. 
So do we have mentors in our lives that can truly help us uh, change, correct, in loving ways that will inspire us instead of ways that will crush us? Mm -hmm. um, and a great mentor, in my opinion, my experience with the mentors in my life, are mentors that have been stung by the pain of poor correction in their lives. And, yeah. and now they understand and are sensitive to... Because they get it. Right. I can't do that to another human being, so how do I do it differently? And then the power of that is when we want to try to start correcting things, typically the things we need to correct are not small, minor things. They are mm -hmm. patterns of destruction in our lives, things that we're doing that are consistently pulling us down. So as we go to try to change those things, typically what's going to happen is failure. And failure is a critical part of that whole growth process. And if you think people don't handle correction very well, how do they handle failure? So all the more reason why we yeah. need to have a mentor who or mentors in our lives that can, when we fail, pick us up, take us back to truth, help us redefine that truth, dig a little deeper in that truth. That provides greater clarity for the correction. And that increases the power now to overcome and truly succeed. And yet we're going to fail frequently in that process. So a great mm -hmm. mentor is going to help people experience truth. They're going to experience proper correction and they're going to pick them up with failure. This, this failure thing is so fascinating. You just mentioned it very matter of factly as an essential element in this growth process, in this change process. But it's something that a lot of people fear. And maybe because of the Bush doctors in their past that told them that failure means that you are bad. You know, and we lose track of that, that fundamental principle that you started with. When, when people see themselves truthfully, it leads them to want to change. That doesn't mean that they're, they're flawed somehow or that they're not the way they should be. It just means that our very nature is to seek change and improvement right i wish i could quote who said this it's not my thought but someone said fertilizer or failure is the fertilizer for growth and uh -huh. I, I really profoundly believe that it's part of the process it's part of the process of growth and too often people use that as the definition of growth oh so i can't do that because i failed but it's a critical right. part in the growth process and that's where a great mentor helps people recognize that there's a movie called Meet the Robinsons. Have you seen that I have one? I've seen that, yeah. An animated yeah. movie. And it's, it's based basically on the process that Walt Disney and his company went through. Keep moving forward was one of their, their mantras. And there's a scene in the movie where there's this epic failure with a little invention thing. Yeah. And without giving away the whole thing, uh, basically the response was that the family cheered when this failure happened. And the comment that was made was, failures are awesome. You can learn a lot from your failures. Successes, not so much. Right. And that has been true in my life, too. As, as I listen to you talk about this, Robert, I'm thinking about painful experiences that I've had where I have failed and the rich learning experience that I had as a result of that. It's amazing. And the power of that is if you could find mentors in your life that won't give up on you, mm -hmm. that won't quit, 
and they'll just keep helping you pick you back up off the ground. That's where incredible experiences can happen in people's lives. Yeah. You've had, you've had a very rich experience in many aspects of your life. You were sharing with me that there are some, some things that came from earlier on in your life. Uh, like in the context of sports, for example. Is there something you'd like to share from that? Yeah, you know, just my growing up with my speech impediment, I succeeded at very few things. I failed at everything. I failed at school. My parents were trying to help me find success in sports, and I would fail at sports and found very little success. I barely graduated from from high school. My patients may not wow. appreciate knowing that. but Well, and I'm just <laughs> thinking about that, Robert. You, you are a successful person. <laughs> periodontist, your your patients trust you to be compassionate and to have the state of the art knowledge that allows. Uh, I did them to have I a did correct person. things in college, but high school You've was been a through struggle. some correction. All right. Yes, and so I discovered football in high school was about the only thing I could really successfully do, and so uh-huh. um, I had this coach that was a bush doctor. In my high school growing up in California, they didn't have mm. cuts. So if you went out for the team, everybody, everybody made the team. You make the team. And my coach didn't like that. He thought, you know, he wanted excellence and he wanted to have that ability to cut people from a team. And so how he would get people off a team is he was brutal. He had those rusty mm. pliers and he was cruel and unkind and caused people to quit. And we would do drills um, and you know, during the summer, especially when you're preparing, and this is a grueling time. Mm-hmm. My senior year, we had three young men who went out for the football team. They'd moved into the area. They were new to the team. They were all large and overweight. Never played football before. As the season during the summer started, I watched that coach, and I knew what he was going to do to those three boys. I knew he was going to crush them, and I knew he was going to try to get them to quit. Mm. And he was mean and brutal, and they'd be the last ones that come in from the lap, and he'd say, okay, because so-and-so is late, we're all running that lap over again. And it took just a couple of days for two of them to quit. The third guy kept showing up. And one day in practice, we were doing what we call up-downs. It's where you run in place, and they blow the whistle, and you land on your chest, and then bounce back up. Mm. Well, this guy that stayed around, his name was Wes, and he probably weighed 320 pounds. So when that whistle blew and we fell to our chest, Wes wasn't quick to get up. And so pretty soon the coach started to say, okay, thanks to Wes getting up so late, we'll have to do 10 more of those and then 10 more and 10 more. And I could watch this guy in front of me trying to do all he could to get up as quickly as he possibly could. And that coach got that entire team to turn against that kid. Everybody's swearing at him, yelling at him, um, get up faster, calling him uncruel names. This is your classic Bush doctor. Yeah. And then I saw our star football player run around and get right next to this guy. And I thought, well, this is going to be interesting to watch. I wonder what he's going to do. Is he going to scream at him, yell at him, call him names like the rest of the team's doing? And as we were running in place, waiting for the whistle to blow, I heard this star football player look at Wes and say, don't you dare quit. And the whistle blew, and we all dropped to the ground. And I saw our star player lay on the ground long enough for Wes to stand back up. And then he was the last one to get up. And we were Mm. running into place, and now the coach had a dilemma. And now he said, well, thanks to Webb, we're all going to have to do that 10 more times. And I just heard Webb Stallings tell Wes over and over again, if you quit, 
I quit. If you quit, I quit. Whistle blows. He lays on the ground, waits for Wes to get up. This took a couple of minutes, and wow. pretty soon the entire team is yelling, if you quit, I quit. And it got to the point where the entire team laid on the ground until Wes got up. Now, that's what true mentorship wow. should be. We don't quit on each other. We lift each other. We help each other. We correctly love and, and, and inspire people. There are too many bush yeah. doctors in our lives. That's for sure. That is so inspiring. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been great <laughs> talking to you for a few minutes. You know what? I, I'm thinking through just taking a mental inventory of the kind of mentoring that I do and where are the opportunities for me and, and I seek mentors too, but I am sought out often as a mentor. It, it's my business. It's what I do. And uh, just having that image of, of compassion. If you quit, I quit. Uh, and the message behind that is don't ever give up. There, and, are, there are good people who can support you and help you. And, and real, real mentorship I, my company that I work with, that I do mentoring and coaching with other people, we're, we're called Lift and Lean. Because my belief of mentorship is a great mentor has mentors that he is able to lean upon to lift and inspire him. Absolutely. And then he turns around and lifts other people. That's right. That's correct mentorship. You can see uh, on my desk behind me a statue We've talked about this on the show before, uh, the statue of responsibility depicting two hands, one reaching down to lift up, and the other one is down below, reaching up to be lifted. Mm, I love uh, that. There's a 15-foot replica of this statue being dedicated this week at Utah Valley University, and eventually that will be a 300-foot monument on the west coast of the United States Wow! to bookend the Statue of Liberty. But it symbolizes that for me, Robert, what you just said. Because which hand are we? We're both. Right. And as we reach up to our, our mentors and as we carefully select them, you know, the, don't go after the bush doctors, folks. There's plenty of those out there. They're in abundance, and they usually sign up yep. to be your mentors. Don't accept it. And then by all means, reach out with that compassionate hand. Robert Farrell, ladies and gentlemen, you can you can find Robert probably best through your email. Is that right? Yes. Robert, spelled the way anyone would spell it, at liftlean, L-I-F-T-L-E-A-N dot com. Lift and lean. Dr. Robert Farrell, thank you so much for being at Live On Purpose oh, Radio today. Great to be here with you. It's time, everybody, to live on purpose.